This is the Everyday AI Show, the everyday podcast where we simplify AI and bring its power to your fingertips. Listen daily for practical advice to boost your career, business, and everyday life. If you want your company to compete on a global stage, you need to be able to speak to global customers and global clients. I think a lot of us don't understand how that works, but there is an industry that makes sure that we can all speak together, and that's the translation, right? So I'm very excited today to talk about how AI is going to impact that translation industry. Are there still going to be jobs there tomorrow? All right, we're going to be talking about that today and more on Everyday AI. Welcome. My name is Jordan Wilson, and I'm the host of Everyday AI, and this is for you. We do this literally every single day, bringing you a live stream podcast and our free daily newsletter, helping everyday people learn generative AI and how we can all leverage it to grow our companies and to grow our careers. So yeah, maybe your company is ready to compete on a global stage and you're worried about how can we take our language, how can we take our product and our services and better cater to a different country, to different regions. Uh, So I'm excited to talk about that. But first, before we do, Let's go ahead and go over the AI news as we do every day. And if you are listening on the podcast, thank you. Uh, Make sure to go to youreverydayai.com. Sign up for that free daily newsletter. And if you're joining us live, like we have Tara joining us from Nashville, Woozy from Kansas City, Brian from Minnesota. We got everyone joining. Jason, thanks for joining us from Florida. Make sure to get your questions in. What questions do you have? Like maybe Maybrit here who's you know, recently worked as a freelance translator. What questions do you have about AI in the world of translation? Make sure to get them in. All right, let's go over what's going on in the world of AI news. There's actually a lot today, y'all. So uh, first, LinkedIn is bringing an AI chatbot to job seekers with LinkedIn Premium. So LinkedIn is rolling out its new AI-powered features to help job seekers navigate the modern job application process and gain insights into job opportunities. So the new features include an AI-powered chatbot for job listings and personalized career advice based on a uh, a user's LinkedIn feed. Uh, These new tools offer advice on how to improve your profile and stand out to potential employers. So right now, these features are just being rolled out, and it's only to premium users for now. Speaking of new updates, we have new AI image editing features rolling out on Microsoft Copilot. So Microsoft is updating its Copilot platform with a new design and enhanced image editing capabilities, bringing sustained growth to their Edge browser and their Bing search engine. So the focus is on productivity and creativity rather than one competing with Google for market dominance. So, so far, 5 billion images have been generated through the Copilot platform since its launch a year ago. It obviously uses uh, the Dolly uh, image uh, generating powers from its partnership with OpenAI. All right. Last but not least, Google Bard is officially gone. Well, it's just kind of changed its name. Google Bard is gone. Google Gemini is here, and as is Google Gemini Advanced. All right, so Google has released its new updated AI chatbot, Gemini Advanced, as part of their Google One Premium subscription package. So it is kind of comparable to OpenAI's ChatGPT Plus and promises enhanced capabilities for understanding and completing tasks. So access to Gemini Advanced uh, is available through Google One's new AI Premium plan, which costs $20 per month. Uh, Right now, though, 
Hey, speaking of translation, Google Advance is currently only available in English, but may expand to other languages in the near future. So uh, yeah, if you log on probably sometime today, if you use Google Bard, you're not going to see it anymore. You're going to see Google Gemini. So that is the base model. And then the Gemini Advance $20 a month, bringing you a more powerful version and using Gemini Ultra 1.0 versus the free version that just uses Gemini Pro. All right. So many buzzwords, so many words. Speaking of words, we got to learn how to translate them all, y'all. Like, and, and, and talk about specifically how is AI changing how we communicate on a global stage with global audiences? All right. So uh, I'm excited for this and let, please help me welcome to our show. There we go. We got her. All right. So Olga Baragovaya is the VP of AI at Smartling. Olga, thank you so much for joining the Everyday AI Show. Thanks for having me. All right. And tell me a little bit what you do as the VP of AI at Smartling. Uh, I was actually listening to a description of another company that defined themselves as the trust layer between everything that's happening in the wild west of the AI world and the actual end users. I would think about Smartling and what I do in exact same way, right? There's so much happening in the world of AI. Large language models are called language models for a reason, right? They're built of language. So what we do, we actually help our customers navigate the waters of language and global language and help plug in AI and make sure that they harvest the benefits, right? So actually one of the taglines for recent... Uh, Industry presentation was from frenzy to trust, and that's where I would probably put us. So that's that's in short. I mean, the shorter answer is we provide AI-powered translations. Mm, okay, I love that. And and, and maybe tell us uh, a, a little bit for those of us who maybe don't understand how this industry works. Like, what in in general is you know translation? You know, because I think sometimes people think of you know, oh, is this just Google Translate? Oh, is it just when you, you know, go to a, a website in your browser and it's, you know, all of a sudden it's automatically translated into a new language? Like, give us a little bit of background of, of how the industry in general works. Is it all just humans like, like yourself who are reading something in one language and making sure everything is kind of perfect in many other languages? Uh, so what is translation? I mean, first things first, there is absolutely nothing wrong with Google Translate. And there are a lot of times where Google Translate or Microsoft Translate or Amazon Translate or DeepL or any other engine are perfectly fit for purpose. And I'll touch on that a little bit later. But in general, there is much more to this industry. It is not just words, right? If you think about all your content, it resides in content management system, DAM, somewhere else, right? It lives. Your website is also populated from somewhere, Possibly you could stitch those things together manually in one language, that being English. Now, go try doing it for 105 languages if, you, if your company is present in 105 countries, right? And that's basically what the industry is about. It is definitely, again, by virtue of we handle words, and there are a lot of words in this world, by virtue of that, we're definitely on the forefront of the digitization and the digital revolution just for the sake of necessity. If you take your company global, your content is multiplied by 105 or as many markets where you operate. So there is technology to it. There is linguists. And I was very happy to see a fellow linguist in the audience. There are linguists. There are internationalization engineers that make sure your code is actually global from the get-go. There are subject matter experts that make sure that things are factually relevant. So it's actually a huge production. To get to your website in Estonia, there are many people working on it. 
and AI to our rescue, right now things have become significantly easier. Yeah, and, and and let's talk about that. So with you know this kind of recent boom of generative AI, large language models now being incorporated into our everyday lives, whether we even fully realize it or not, right? How specifically is is this impacting the translation industry? Uh, the impact on translation industry can definitely cannot even be overstated or overestimated. Again, I'll go back to the concept of words and linguistics. Right, large language models started from words. True, now we have multi-model, model modality, uh, language models. But in principle, they help us handle worlds. You mentioned something in the opening uh, when you when you were talking about the news, right? That a lot of LLMs are now multilingual, right? So that alone helps us because AI can now handle translation. The question, we'll have jobs tomorrow, will be covered later. AI can handle translation. If you don't want to translate, you can actually even generate source content, right? And we see a lot of writing copilots, writing assistants. But equally, you can actually even generate the target content. So the whole paradigm of how we do business shifted tremendously with the advancements of AI. Um, it's using technology in the translation industry is no news. I think the paradigm shift is before it was computer-assisted translation. Now we can actually trust AI with doing the heavy lifting, and we do what's interesting, and we do where the human reasoning is absolutely necessary. So I would say that's probably, that's, that's the main change. That's the most dramatic change. AI is a co-pilot and enabler of the translation process. Sure. And, you know, I'm curious, Olga, because... I, I sit down and like I, I I think about the first time that I saw or used the GPT technology, which I think for us and our team was, you know, 2020 when it came out in some third party products. Right. right. Uh, do you remember like the first time that, you know, you kind of saw whether it's, you know, the GPT technology or a large language model? Like I'd love to hear, you know, as someone that works with words every day and works with, you know, making sure words make sense together. What was your first reaction, you know, kind of when you saw large language models kind of bust onto the scene? I would say that, I mean, first things first, transformer models in general are no news, mm -hmm. right? You just mentioned Google Bard, right? And then there are birds and there are, I mean, there are so many, well, Bard is more recent, but let's let's touch a couple other transformer models that have been around for a while. Even neural machine translation is based on transformer models. So in principle, that has been around for a while. What happens, what drives the breakthrough is the trillion of parameters and tons and tons of data points that the later generation of large language models has been trained on. So my immediate reaction, I think, the first real large language model, like true large language model I saw, that was probably GPT-2. And we're talking, what, two generations of GPT ago. My immediate yeah. reaction was, holy Lord, this thing can do everything. How am I even staying employed? But yeah, so I mean, the first thing was like, oh, wow, what do we do now? What do mm -hmm. we do now when it's so capable? Like, write me Shakespeare-style poem, voila give me a summary of such and such, voila. So there was first this wave of fear meeting excitement, but then you start unpacking it. And as you start unpacking it, you actually realize that along with massive capabilities come massive shortcomings. You, you, you know, like I'm almost thinking that maybe your industry is ahead of, of so many industries, right? Just because 
I feel that anyone working in the translation space is always, you know, like you just said, keeping up on, you know, transformer models. You know, I, I hadn't even used GPT-2. I only used GPT-3 when it first came out. So, like, how would you say the translation industry um, has so far successfully used, you know, these large language models? And then maybe what are some of also the red flags that you've seen or the industry has seen by using these models? Okay. So, um there is, you said initially there was this sentiment about, ah, let's just deploy Google uh, Translator across the board. The initial sentiment, and uh, I, I would imagine there are certain uh, certain group of maybe executive and business leaders in our audience. The initial sentiment, like from me running uh, running um, balance sheet or running the uh, PNL sheet, the re- initial reaction was, let's just plug it in. GPT is awesome. Let's just plug it in. It does translations. It is multilingual. So the initial reaction was, again, it will do everything. And successfully, to a great extent, large language models have been successfully deployed for translation uh, cases. Uh, As I said, generative AI is deployed quite a bit when it comes to digital marketing, digital content. Uh, Summarization is another very successful case. Right. When you are an attorney, say you're running an e-discovery case, and that's a prominent part of our industry clientele is actually attorneys doing e-discovery. You are dealing with massive, massive volumes of emails and they happen to be in Japanese. Do you have any time whatsoever to read through terabytes of emails? And do you equally have sufficient knowledge of Japanese? I don't. So this is where translation and summarization combined services multiple industries. Uh, Another application, and I want to pause a little bit on the limitations. Think about machine translation and neural machine translation. It was built for purpose and for a single task of translating, right? And you can also train it. You can customize to your company's tone and voice. There are tremendous capabilities around neural machine translation, which, by the way, happens to be NLP application, natural language processing application, and subsequently equally happens to be AI. So think about neural machine translation. Now, compare it to a model that was built to perform a variety of tasks, starting from math problems to, hey, write my college essay. Except my teacher friends are telling me that now they're getting identical essays, like 17 of those. So <laughs> there's, there's a bit of a question mark there. Uh, but... Again, if you uh, if you deploy LLM that is built for multiple purposes and then you deploy something that was built for purpose, often neural machine translation still wins. So there are quite a few cases where you still want to default to machine translation and all the customization capabilities. Having said that, machine translation is flawed when it comes to fluency. And those of you having used, like I tried to use Google Translate, I I spent quite a bit of time in Mexico and Google Translate is not always my friend when it comes to understandability and fluency of translation. LLMs are tremendously fluent. Mm. So the best successes our industry sees is combining the best of both worlds and the convergence of Gen AI and other NLP technologies is where we get best results. Okay. So let machine translation do what it's good at, which is factual accuracy. And then you apply Gen AI on top of it, and you get factually accurate, fluid translation.
Hey, this is Jordan, the host of Everyday AI. I've spent more than a thousand hours inside ChatGPT and I'm sharing all of my secrets in our free Prime Prompt Polish ChatGPT course that's only available to loyal listeners like you. Here's what Lindy, who works as an educational consultant, said about the PPP course. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting the results from ChatGPT that I needed and wanted. And after taking the PPP course, I now realize that I was not priming correctly. So I will be heading back into ChatGPT right now to practice my priming, prompting, and polishing. Everyone's prompting wrong, and the PPP course fixes that. If you want access, go to podppp.com. Again, that's podppp.com. Sign up for the free course and start putting ChatGPT to work for you. played it so well there uh so okay we actually have two questions that are pretty much the same here Olga. so uh raul thank you for the question and tara are both just kind of asking so how can ai accurately translate idioms in context and clarify this to the reader right yeah when i think especially in the english language but i'm sure it's it holds true across the board in other languages Sometimes we have weird, you know, sayings or, you know, words that mean multiple things or descriptive uh, ways to say something that it's like, oh, that's like word for word. That's not, doesn't really make a, like a lot of sense. So how uh, does, does the AI or the, you know, translation uh, industry kind of tackle idioms? Uh, I know that at some point about like five years ago, U.S. government was pouring a lot of money into getting machine translation, and I'll start with machine translation, to understand idioms, euphemisms, and metaphors. And that was not the most successful project because you're <laughs> absolutely right. The way machine translation is designed is not as much word to word, but it's still the context window is very limited, right? The attention mechanism of machine translation only covers this much. Now, the beauty of applying Gen AI is that it does indeed read and translate your content in context, right? And the later generation, Gen AI, as we know, different uh, LLMs have different context windows, but you are still able to feed your context. You still go beyond a sentence, beyond a paragraph. So what we see is because of the context, you can disambiguate terminology. It's accurate, right? It's not going to be the bed for like flower bed is not going to be translated as a sleeping bed if gen ai sees that actually hey we're talking about gardening here so in terms of context that's what allows gen ai to better capture idioms metaphors and in general understand more just because it's presented with more just one word of more warning don't give it too much because then yeah. attention mechanism gets confused and it just translates the beginning and the end and that complete gets completely lost in the middle but if you've nailed just the right amount of context you need to give it. That's when the user will benefit from understanding idioms. I hope I hope I answered the question. No, yeah, you did. And it's it's funny you talked about nailed. Like I, I always think of like an idiom like hitting the nail on the head. And I'm like, yeah, how would that translate in so many other languages, you know, 10 years ago versus right. I'm guessing now today, because of AI, it's it's much better and it's much more accurate out of the box, right? Like you don't as in your in uh in your industry, you don't have to spend as much time, uh, you know, checking those because presumably the idioms, similes, metaphors translate right. better. Now they would, again, based on the context and also because Gen AI, generally, generate, generally LLMs are much better at NLU, natural language understanding, mm -hmm. than NLG. 
you don't have much room for hallucination. So if you're provided enough context, it would actually predict that, hey, I'm dealing with an idiom here. I don't really take a hammer and nail, hammer the poor nail on the head. So because I, I'd say the context window and also ability to identify what text I'm dealing with, that I'm actually dealing with more idiomatic text as opposed to user manual to a washing machine. Yep. Nothing, against, nothing against user manuals, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need them every once in a while, right? Um, Have you so, read so, one ever? Okay, anyways. Yeah, let's let's talk about the big question here, Olga, because we we this is the the title of the episode. You know, how is this going to impact jobs? Because you know, from someone who isn't in the industry, and you see large language models in their flexibility, their power, even like what you were just saying, their their ability to handle idioms, you know, similes, metaphors across multiple languages. So what does this mean for the many, many humans who are working in this industry now that large language models are, you know, doing this fairly well? What does it mean? I'm going to have an e English as a second language model uh, moment here and ask you, can you say in English, we cannot play ostrich in as we cannot stick our head in the sand and pretend that nothing is happening. Now I'm translating from my mother tongue. We would be very naive to say that jobs are not going to change in the translation industry. That would be a very, very naive approach. Of course they will. AI translations, AI powered translation, machine translation, what's called smoothing, which is basically post-processing output of other applications with AI. It hasn't reached human parity yet, but it's on its safe way there. It is eventually going to reach some somewhat something that resembles human parity. Now, what's going to happen? We do know that models hallucinate, right? And we do know, and it's funny, there is a fun fact majority of us built models are built on english phenomena and local phenomena right so what what would happen is really funny it would have enough words in italian to express the context but concept but it's not going to have enough anthropological knowledge to actually reflect italian phenomena job one fact checking and validation you are an italian native and you are told that i don't know the best Italian football team, uh, soccer team is Barcelona. Something is off here, right? So fact checking and validation are definitely jobs that are going to be around for quite some time until the models have enough data and enough world knowledge to produce accurate output across languages. One. Two, there is something that's called false fluency. When the sentence is fluent, again, a little bit on the topic of hallucination, but means absolutely nothing. And models are still able to produce, I don't know, whatever, I'm going to the store, the crocodile went to the river, uh, zero relationship between the two parts. So absolutely post-editing, human validation, fact-checking. Translators will probably gravitate more and more towards specialized subject matter expertise. So that would be one for you. Okay. Project managers, AI-based predictions, do I send it to translation? Do I push it straight, straight to publishing? Project managers in our industry are becoming more and more of data analysts, validating AI-based decisions. So here is two for you. From business, from project management, like hands-on, moving files around to actual business analysis. You know you know, I'm, uh, Olga, I'm, I'm curious because I'm guessing that there's, you know, certain companies in the translation space that are doing this the right and proper way and, you know, taking ethics into consideration. And then there's maybe those that aren't. Is there actually a more like an, an increased responsibility on the humans in this process 
to be even more vigilant, right? Because maybe now, uh, you know, your company is able to do 50% more or double, right? And, but maybe things might slip through, uh, you, you know, a little, a little faster or a little more often. So maybe is the role of, of humans in this space maybe much more important uh, than normal because it's much more likely that, you know, errors could, in theory, slip through. Absolutely. And hence, I mean, first of all, you're spot on. The topic of ethical AI is extremely prominent and extremely visible in our industry, exactly because it's so human driven that you absolutely want to deploy your AI responsibly, making sure that you do have humans in the loop to mitigate potential risks. There is a term that I love, which is toxic. Again, it's funny because I'm supposed to be a proponent of AI, but also know of all the shortcomings and the role for the human. So you want to mitigate bias. You want to mitigate toxicity. What do you do? You actually become a part of the process and you help curate the training data and validate the algorithms of large language models, making sure the bias and potential toxicity is mitigated. So ethical AI deployment is definitely a huge topic for us. I was. It was a recent case when I don't know if it was GPT or machine translation was used to make decisions, immigration decisions on the border based on the input, based on translation. And hey, there could be better applications than actually make decisions about human lives uh, based on what a model can produce. So, I mean, there are things and it was it was very, very it was very, very prominent case that obviously raised awareness of deployed when it's fit for purpose. When nobody's life or nobody's livelihood is at risk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. In in, in that case, the stakes are extremely high. You know, to have accurate, high, right? accurate translation. Yeah. I know we're running out of time, so I want to mention one other thing: where translators and linguists are becoming extremely, extremely important, and that's prompt engineering. The model is like a taxi driver, right? I mean, the model will take you only where you tell the model to take you. Mm. And it's all about prompting. So there are only this many data scientists in the world, but there are a lot of linguists in the world. So a linguist can actually help design the right prompt that would produce the right output for their target language. Formality-wise, gender-wise, tone and voice-wise, right? So there is a huge role, and I see a lot of linguists developing prompt engineering skills because it's an absolute necessity. And again, I don't speak, I don't know, Bahasa, Indonesia. I cannot get by without a local expert helping build the prompt and validating that it's producing a relevant output for their language. So it's not that the jobs are going anywhere. It's tons of jobs surfacing and emerging. That's Okay, that's such a great point. I was actually having a conversation at a tech event last night. You know, this this uh, gentleman asked me, hey, my daughter's in college. Here's what I think she should be focusing on. Said, what do you think are the, the most important skills in AI? You know, is it, they said, is it prompt engineering? Is it this and then that? And I said, you need to have strong language skills, right? Because if you have strong language skills, strong writing skills, it can take you very far uh, in this world. Uh, so, all right, let's, I think we have a couple of questions. Maybe we can go rapid fire. We can see if we can get some quick uh, question and answer here, Olga. So uh, let's, let's, let's give it a try. So Woozy asking, any thoughts about some of these news stories you hear about them translating lost languages or some of the groups that are working with understanding language and animals? What are your thoughts um, on that one, Olga? 
I know a lot of my friends started teaching their dogs how to speak. I'm not quite there. And <laughs> I don't nurse high hopes about my specific dog. But let's, okay, animals aside, long tail languages, spot on. Actually, Gen AI helps us take language in general, take translation and democratize translation and make it AI um, translation go hand in hand with translation goes hand in hand with risk, uh, accessibility. So with the advancements in large language models, first of all, you don't need to pivot through a particular language. You can go between two languages. Even if you don't have sufficient amount of training data for a particular language, you can still compensate. There is a huge field of generating synthetic data. Like for instance, there is a known language and well-resourced language in a language group. You can actually draw parallels between an existing and covered language and language that's less covered, and you can actually develop a corpus, a synthetic corpus for long-tail languages. That's so it's really fascinating. Beautiful. It's fascinating. Now, again, training animals and understanding animal language, I might not quite be the expert in the field. So <laughs> I might want, although there are a lot of, I know that there is a lot of work being done in that direction. I'm not quite there. I still focus on human translation. All right, all right, we'll go, we'll go two more here quick. So Frank asking how much of this job replacement talking about versus acquiring new skills in retooling the work that will be done. Also, will AI help teach others how to do translation? Absolutely so. I actually have a lot of conversations with professors from the Middlebury Institute, if I'm pronouncing it right, what used to be Monterey Institute. So the reskilling, it's not as much job replacement. I would probably go with reskilling. The reskilling can happen, learn at work, right? Or there are a lot of classes, for instance, uh, offered in translation schools, localization schools that actually teach you them, I don't know, Python basics, prompt engineering syntax. So there is quite a bit that's already being done for reskilling. And again, I'll be very careful about replacement. I'll really talk about reskilling. And it's very much true. If you look, for instance, what's happening in language learning application, there is way more AI plugged into how you learn the language. It's much more personalized. Like I'm, again, I spend a lot of time in Mexico. So I spend a lot of time in Duolingo and I'm watching it evolve more and more and plugging more like, okay, Olga, you failed here. Let's go back. Let's revisit that. So AI powered education applications are fantastic. My own personal passion is how can AI help kids with learning disabilities actually uh, acquire professional skills, translation or not, right? It can suggest options. It can act as a co-pilot. So that's one thing that I'm personally very passionate about. But yeah. absolutely, it's, you, love yeah. That. Love that, love that. All right, here, we'll do our last audience question. So Splatlana asking, as a consumer, how do you validate the output, assuming you don't know the language to which most the model translates to? That's a fantastic question. How how can you do that as a consumer? Um. I know how you can do it as a professional, but let me think how you would do it as a consumer. So let's take let's take professional first. As a professional, like as a language professional, uh, AI is equally used for producing language, but also for vetting language, vetting the output for accuracy, for like how how good or bad your translation or your generated content is. And I would imagine that, and I know that some of the GPTs in the GPT market do exactly this. And I'm pretty sure there are widgets that can do exactly this. Large language models can beautifully uh, produce content, but they also can self-heal and self-judge. For instance, you take GPT 3.5, you validate it with four. So I would say 
I know that it's happening in professional translation, and I'm pretty confident there is something something out there that can help you help you vet it. Let AI judge itself and make decisions on how good a bet it is. That's that's great. That's great advice. So, all right, Olga, we've covered a lot here. We we we've talked about different ways that um, you know this is used in our daily lives. How important. Um, you know, translation is to businesses, you know, trying to expand into new markets and also some of the pros and the cons. But, you know, as as we wrap up here, what is maybe your your one most imp- important piece of advice, specifically when it comes to AI impacting, you know, translation and just the jobs and careers of, of people in there? What's your your biggest piece or your best takeaway advice for for everyone? somehow manage to wake up in the morning and listen to podcasts and glance through AI news and know what's the latest, making sure that if you are in school, you're learning what's relevant. So that would be the first advice. Absolutely stay appraised of what's happening in the world of AI. And another important skill that's extremely demanded now, use your best judgment to deploy AI where it's fit for purpose and don't just deploy it across the board. And actually, AI analysts and advisors that are appraised of the capabilities and shortcomings are in huge demand now. If you can pass that judgment, you will always have the most fantastic job in the world of multilingual AI. I love that. So, so important. Such great advice. Uh, Olga, thank you so much for joining the Everyday AI Show and sharing your insights with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And hey, as a reminder, y'all, there was a lot there so much good information you know what i'm gonna do as a human once we get off this call i'm gonna go listen to this again and write more more information so so all of this great knowledge that olga just shared with us you can read about it see how you can apply it to grow your career to grow your company so if you haven't already go to youreverydayai.com sign up for that free daily newsletter written by humans thank you for joining us and we'll see you back tomorrow and every day for more everyday ai thanks y'all that's a wrap for today's edition of Everyday AI. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating. It helps keep us going. For a little more AI magic, visit youreverydayai.com and sign up to our daily newsletter so you don't get left behind. Go break some barriers and we'll see you next time.